Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest role-playing game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters, execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the fourth pillar of play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. Just so you're aware, we're going to be discussing lots of things and theories that were presented in the first two episodes of this show. So if you haven't watched it yet, you're probably not going to have any idea what we're talking about. If you don't care, listen away. Otherwise, spoilers ahead. So you've been warned. We greatly encourage you to see the show before listening to the episode. But if you have and you're ready... Sit back, relax, enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Tipples and Tolkien. We are your hosts. I'm M, And I am Eyes. And we have a very exciting episode. We have just seen the premiere of the Amazon show Rings of Power. So we cannot wait to kind of dive into this with you. Yes, we are. Uh, after all this podcast... <laughs> Well, it was conceived with the idea of talking about this show, and after watching it together, um, we, we've got a lot to cover, mm-hmm. but first off, reactions, M, overall, general mood, feeling? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> to sum it up. <laughs> Very, very fast two hours. Uh, For those who aren't aware, they premiered the first two episodes of the show. Um, The first one being called Shadow of the Past. The second episode called Adrift. And uh, yeah, double feature. And yeah, those two hours went by very quickly. I share the same sentiments as M. I was a very big fan of it. And uh, we're going to nitpick it a little bit. I mean, not in a bad way per se, but more of a theorizing kind of way tonight. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we got our drink here um, pulled up, also named after the first episode called The Shadow of the Past. It's got a very dark appearance. However, the taste is actually very light. Mm -hmm. So I hope you enjoy. And if you so happen to have a little ice ball maker you can put a nice moon in it like we did in our in our photo um yeah like i said overall impression very well done they spent like what a billion dollars on this show and uh it's been very well utilized fantastic you know look special effects scenery uh, every the appearance fantastic Howard Shore the, is the uh, composer. He did the music for all of the Lord of the Rings movies, and he's back uh, to score the show. So the music will sound very familiar, mm-hmm. but it's something completely new. And it's actually, I find it also to be very good. Yes. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. If we're, if we're going to try to start, let's let, we can just try to go in order sort of, of of a lot of the things that we saw uh, in the Mm -hmm. first episode, uh, Shadow of the Past. So first off, in the first like 10, almost 15 minutes of the show, I mean, okay, if you remember from me talking about it last week uh, in sort of the educational episode, going over some history stuff and the things to expect to see, we got to see some of the first age of Middle Earth and Mm -hmm. the inner nerd in me was crying tears of joy. (laughs) 
and crying because it wasn't enough. But, <laughs> but I was so, so, so happy to see visualizations. We had, we got to take a look at a Valinor, the Undying Lands. We got to take a look at the War of Wrath, which was one of the most insane wars ever fought in the history of this universe. Um, we got to see characters like uh, Finrod Felagond, who we had never seen before. And so, so much more. I, I just could not get enough. And I mean, okay, I'm, you, you got to agree with me. That shot of Sauron oh, in his man, armor. It was incredible. Oh. I loved it. It was such a badass shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, the first age stuff, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't have to go into detail there. Because there is a lot mm-hmm. of lore and background to the first age, but what they did show was oh, so 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 good, perfect lead-in kind of to this story, and um, yeah, I I have to say the cast of characters um, that they have assembled and the actors playing their roles um, very very adept. Uh, you have Galadriel played by, I think, was it Morphid Clark is her name? Yes. Uh, sort of an unknown actress. Yeah, she does a killer job. Mm-hmm. And this is not the Galadriel we know at all. No, no. But she is, she's so strong and strong-willed, which very much mirrors her personality in the earlier years of Middle-earth. Um, and I really like that they kind of stayed true to that. Uh the guy who plays Elrond, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's really, I notice he's taking Hugo Weaving's Elrond <laughs> and he's, he's channeling it to make he it his own thing. Job. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought I'd be bothered by the short elf hair, but honestly it's growing on me. It. I honestly, <sighs> I kind of was just so into the show. I, I didn't even think about it. Like, it started off and I noticed it, but then the more I got into the show, I kind of just stopped noticing that the elves had short hair. (laughs) Mm. You can just tell by their demeanor overall. It's not even like their hair, per se. Mm -hmm. It's the way they speak and present themselves. It's like, oh, yeah, they're an elf, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it it really, it doesn't doesn't bother me at all either, especially because the actors, they carry themselves pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, Gilgalad. Also, more or less, I mean, we haven't really seen Gilgalad on screen, so this is sort of a new thing. And we've only really seen him in one episode. Well, technically two, but like, I've only seen a little bit of him. So I'm really hoping we get to see more of uh, how epic this dude is. But yeah, um, I think that they found a pretty good actor for him to portray him. And uh, some of the new characters were presented. So you have Arandir who is basically an elven like guard uh, in the south of Middle-earth. So when I talked about the men of the south, um, basically in the show they have these kind of elven guard stations there to watch over these people, but also to make sure that they don't start a war because it's said in the show that these men of the south some of them, their ancestors had like allegiances to Morgoth, who is the big bad, who is defeated, but is basically Sauron's boss. So the elves are like, all right, we good. We're, we're good, but we're keeping an eye on you. Make sure you don't do anything. And I like a Rundir. He's He's a solid elf. He, he has very elven qualities about mm-hmm. him. I like him For a being lot. an original character. Yeah, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. What about what it was? Give me some of your thoughts on. Uh, oh, oh, I mean, we haven't even touched <laughs> on the Harfoots yet. Wait, there's just so much. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Meteor Man. Oh, I'm oh, so whoa. excited to dive into him as well. <laughs> the, it is just my head is so all over the place with like all of these thoughts right now. Well, just, just here, so let me help you. Tell me, the, tell me your thoughts on the Harfoots. A the Harfoots are amazing. I love them. <laughs> they kind of, they have all the Hobbit qualities that we've seen and loved in all of the movies, but at the same time, they're kind of just so unique in their own way. So it's kind of like easy to look at them and be like, oh yeah, I can, I can see all of those Hobbit 
characteristics that we love in them. And it just, it makes me very happy when they're on screen. I love it. Their friendliness, right? And they're, yeah. uh, I like the unique kind of costume design and take on these, mm-hmm. um, these Harfoots, like ancient hobbits. They're like, they're, they're scavengers, you know, but they're, they're, they're hiding from the big folk, just like, you know, real, real, well, when I say real, wow. I mean, the hobbits we know, they don't necessarily hide from the big folk, but they'd rather, you know, they'd rather kind of keep to their own selves, you know, up in the Shire and they, they, they don't want to go sniffing out trouble, but they're not like burrowing underground and like scurrying away whenever they see a human being or anything like that. And, you know, later times. So it was, it was really interesting to see them as like meerkats almost, <laughs> you know, yeah. like the, I'm just thinking of <laughs> Lion King one and a half. <laughs> what? Did you ever see that movie? Please say that the Lion, Lion King, King one and a half. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch it sometime. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you'll understand where I'm coming from. <laughs> um. Yeah. Harfoots. Yeah. Go on, <laughs> that was that. That was as much as I had to say on them. What else? What else have you got in your notes there? So much. Um, oh, actually, speaking of the Harfoots, we saw um, well a wolf. I say that kind of questionably um, because we saw kind of like a little bit of a glimpse of it, but we didn't see like its full face and. I mean, I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, is it a, like a wog or is it a werewolf? Because werewolves, were werewolves present in the Second Age? I mean. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> because for those who don't know, werewolves were a thing, and they're not, they're not the werewolves that we know in like popular culture, where it's like a man that turns into a wolf under the full moon it's 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 a wolf but um now i i'm getting confused but i believe from what i remember um it's like a spirit captured in the body of the wolf Mm. and they basically um they they're sauron's sauron's evil creatures they Mm -hmm. they do his uh evil work alongside the many other right. evil creatures. Right now is a good time note, uh, worth noting, basically, to our, our listeners. Since this this TV show is covering the second age of Middle Earth, um, I want you guys to know that there's really not a ton of solid lore that is written about the second age. Mm. There's re- there's not there's known major events that happen, but there's not a lot of in between. So when you're, when, when we're like theorizing or when other people are comparing this show to the movies that have come out, the movies that came out were based on books that had way more detail of minor events, dialogue characters than this show has for its source material. Mm-hmm. So it very well could be a werewolf for all we know. Yeah. We don't know exactly when werewolves stopped being a thing uh, yeah. in Middle Earth. So that's actually a great, I didn't even think of that, Em. That's, mm-hmm. that's a great theory there. Well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, is it? Because maybe it could be. Um, and on the werewolf note, sorry, I'm going back to the first age footage, which was incredible. I really enjoyed, so of course we saw Vinrod on his deathbed and he had a scratch on his arm and I, I liked that little nod because without saying it, like the fans who, you know, know all these little details, Finrod um, was actually attacked by a werewolf and uh, mm-hmm. that is what killed him. So I liked that without going into that detail, we, we saw it, if that makes sense. Like we saw that little detail and it was kind of like a nice little nod to recognize that he died by a werewolf. Mm. No, very, very good point. This show so far, even in there's just the first two episodes, 
it's had so many nods to things, mm-hmm. um, really doing the fan service in very subtle ways, mm-hmm. even so much as um, the title, the opening title screen, you have this beautiful uh, rendition of these sand patterns that are forming in, in different patterns, but very symmetrically and kind of in, t- in time with the music. And this is representing, um, if I'm pronouncing this right, the Aina Lindale, which is the song of creation in the Middle Earth universe. And everything was harmonious and beautiful. And then Morgoth comes in and creates discord and changes the song. And if you watch the sands near the end of the title like sequence, there's this black sands that's like shifting through the golden sand and changing the music as it's being presented. Just little things like that. I, I love how mm-hmm. they're doing that, you know, for the for the fans and yes. Yeah, how you picked up on I didn't even pick up on that scratch either, M. That's insane. <laughs> you didn't? I, I, I mean he had marks on him. There was one sure. mark they wanted us to focus on, granted. Yes. But yeah. I'm not gonna lie. The 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 scratches was like the first thing my eye like locked on. I was like, oh nice. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Very keen. Good eye. Yes. yes. <laughs> um other little details. I mean you have you have a statue um of Luthien and the dog Huan in like the Elven, I guess, cemetery and a lot of fans saw that and were like, wow, was not expecting to see, you know, prominent elven figures of the first age, you know, in this show. And uh, little things like that were also really, really cool to see and remark after, well, mostly after the fact. I think we were very captivated <laughs> when we were watching. There, Just there weren't silence. <laughs> There weren't too many details that we were immediately noticing. Um, but afterward, when we saw some still images and uh, did some slight rewatching, we're like, oh, okay, okay. So wanted to talk about some little things. So little things noticed also in the first episode. Uh, the name of the place in the Southlands where the humans are. It's called Tir Harad. Uh, if you remember me in uh, kind of our introductory episode talking about Harad being one of the places in the south where men are known to live, this place uh, has actually been confirmed to be very close to Mordor. Mm-hmm. And if you look in some of the you know wide landscape shots, you will see a snow-covered Mount Fuji-looking mountain <laughs> in the background that could very well be Mount Doom. There is no Mordor as of yet, but we're getting glimpses of a possible mm-hmm. future here. And I, again, something I didn't even notice upon first viewing, but going back and looking at it, I was like, oh... Oh wow, it's so obvious. Why didn't I notice that before? <laughs> Did you notice that? I didn't. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're gonna, gonna keep your eyes out now. I am. Yeah. I'm gonna be on the lookout. I mean, for when it. when it erupts, it will eventually erupt. Uh mm. you know, we will you'll definitely know it's Mordor. <laughs> but um oh, and the little nod here. This this is just this is more of a, of a joke, but it's it's kind of like, here's why. Um, in the opening sequence showing the first age, there's this huge battle scene, which is from the War of Wrath, as it's known. And there's a very common question amongst people who might not really understand Lord of the Rings lore. And they ask, why didn't... Somebody just hop on a giant eagle and fly the ring to Mordor and drop it in Mount Doom. Why didn't they just do that instead of this whole crazy, stupid journey? Well, if you see that opening (laughs) sequence, there are giant eagles and they are getting taken down 
by fell beasts and dragons flying all over the place. That is why you can't just take <laughs> an eagle to Mordor and drop the ring in. <laughs> that was an incredible shot. Oh, I, I wanted loved so it. much more. Oh, I wanted I to see so, so much, much more. <laughs> I really hope that if they do, I mean, it's unlikely they'll be referencing too much first age stuff in this show. Mm-hmm. But if they ever do show stuff again, uh, some of the I evil really creatures so. in the first age. You have Ungoliant, which is a giant spider, which is even bigger than Shelob. It's mm-hmm. like the mother of all spiders. And then you have, you know, the, I mean, there's Glaurung, the, um, I think he was, he wasn't the biggest dragon of them all, but he was one of the most feared dragons of them all. He, he was, a, a more like a worm actually, cause he couldn't fly, but he, uh, then there was also Ankalagon, the black, just the the biggest dragon ever in the Lord of the Rings universe. Just, oh, these first stage creatures mm-hmm. are insane. We didn't yes. see a Balrog there. We didn't. No. So that is making me wonder if we are maybe going to get more flashbacks and maybe we'll see Balrogs or if that is just upcoming stuff that's going to happen. That that could, I, yeah. It's one or the other, really. Yeah, I... Yeah. I I really want to see more first age stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of hope it's that. <laughs> oh, and so, and, and for those who aren't aware, uh, in the first age, like if you remember from the Lord of the Rings trilogy, there was one Balrog in the Mines of Moria that Gandalf fought and, you know, had an epic battle with and ultimately defeated, but we didn't know that for a while. Um, now imagine like hundreds or thousands of Balrogs on a battlefield. That's that's how it was in the first age in those battles. Just they they were very feared and they were in vast numbers. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that would be uh, pretty insane to watch. I'd love <laughs> to see that. Enough, uh, I guess, and <laughs> we're, we're just going off about the first age right now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, might as well, I don't know, if we have to nitpick anything from the first episode, what, what, would, we, what would we nitpick about? Oh, um, I don't know. <laughs> um, honestly, it's tough. I really, I really did enjoy it. Um, I can't think. What would you nitpick about? I mean, so there's lore stuff, technically wow. speaking. Now, now the, here's, the, here's the thing, though. While I could nitpick the lore, like a lot of people on the internet <laughs> already have, this show um, is taking a character's kind of main theme and drive and just portraying it in a different way. So... Let's let's use a scene as an example there. You have Galadriel who gets to go back to Valinor. She's on the ship with her elven, you know, kin. She's about to go in to the Undying Lands where, you know, she was exiled from, technically speaking. And then she decides, you know, in a moment of rebellion, you know, and my work's not done, and just jump ship, goes back to Middle Earth. So that didn't happen in any books. It was an amazing scene. Don't get me wrong, especially like just feeling like you're about to enter the gates of heaven, just incredible, especially the music. But mm-hmm. what it was more designed to show us was Galadriel's nature and how dedicated she is to vanquishing evil and you know ultimately ruling as a high elf in middle earth and uh they just needed sort of a, you know a vehicle scene to to show that to a mainstream audience and you know i'm i'm honestly fine with that yeah again there's not a whole lot of source material for you know, 
minor events that took place in the Second Age. So getting to see these interpretations, and especially if they're a well-done interpretation, I'm I'm totally fine with that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, to an extent, nitpicking. I mean, there's one thing I would technically nitpick about, but we're we're not we're not on that topic yet. <laughs> but we can be on it if you would like to okay. uh, talk about Meteor Man. I mean, oh, Meteor Man. Okay. <laughs> the theories. Meteor Man. <laughs> the theories. Oh, so many theories. Let's hear them. Okay. I say so many. There's there's two, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> One being. Oh, why'd you have to say that one? Had a drink, <laughs> drink in my mouth. <coughs> okay, I'm good. <laughs> um, the first being that Meteor Man is actually Sauron himself. Um, mm. now of course we know that Sauron, uh, as we discussed in our last episode, he basically shapeshifts. He he deceives people in different forms. Um, so really coming into this show, we don't exactly know who to look out for, um, in that sense. So it is kind of a guessing game right now as to who Sauron could be. So the theory that it's Sauron, uh, the kind of, I don't want to say evidence cause it's not evidence, but you know, the reasons why he could be. Um, if you remember when Galadriel was in the big hall where we previously saw that very quick shot of Sauron with all the orcs around him, the first shot that we saw of him, which was incredible. So when Nori fell into the crater, she made a comment that like, oh no, don't worry, it's, it's not hot. So, of course, it's, hmm, why is it not hot? It's fire. Um, is it the same kind of, because it's evil? Also to note, if you remember, and I'm going back to Lord of the Rings here, the one ring of power, when Gandalf put that thing into the fire and he put it straight into Frodo's hand and made the comment that it's cool to the touch, it'd just been in fire. So is it, was it cool to the touch because of the evil? Is this the same kind of thing? It's a, it's a, uh, sorry, sorry, continue. No, no. no. I was just going to say, it's a very good point. And I, I picked up on that too. When she said like, oh, it's not hot. I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, the torches in the frozen hall of evil were not hot either. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So continue. Um, yep. Also the way that, and now this is kind of like a, like a loose theory. I remember seeing this and being like, oh yeah, when it was in the trailer, but the way that the shot of Meteor Man um, in the middle of the crater, like lying down, um, kind of at a glance, sort of looks like the eye of Sauron. Um, but that's kind of that's kind of more of a a loose uh, theory, evidence, whatever you want to call it, towards it. Um, now, I was doing a little bit of research to see what other people thought about Meteor Man earlier, and I came across a very interesting theory that. The meteor, um, when it was coming across the sky, was when Galadriel was on the boat and she was, you know, about to go. But she, and the show heavily focused on this, her looking up at the sky. She is the only person that didn't see this meteor. (laughs) And there was a theory that this is Sauron and he's coming down as kind of like in a deceptive way to like, fool other people that he could be like you know a a god and the reason Galadriel didn't see him he basically arrived because he knew that she was leaving and he she is the kind of the one hunting him and he's like okay she's off my time Mm. to come back in I thought that was a pretty interesting little note now the other thing is, all of this stuff feels very obvious, <laughs> so it's kind of making me want to lean toward, like away from the idea that it's Sauron because I'm like, it's there's a there's a lot here, and I, I don't know if they would make it that obvious mm. that it's him, you know. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on it being Sauron? 
Well, there are compelling arguments like you listed for mm-hmm. it being Sauron. Um, I think the strongest one is that uh, it's a comet that we don't see come out of Valinor. And the other theory, the leading theory here as to who Meteor Man is, mm-hmm. is that he is a wizard. We're not sure which one because there are five technically. You have mm-hmm. Gandalf, you have Sauron, you have Radagast, and then there are two blue wizards um, whose names escape me, just like they escaped Gandalf in The <laughs> Hobbit. But there are two blue wizards, and we know very little about them. This could be their first time being shown on screen. Mm-hmm. However, the wizards in the Lord of the Rings universe are basically lesser gods. They are known as Maiar. And, or, well, then they were known as Istari, which are, you know, wizards. And the Maiar were dwelling in Valinor right. while these events were happening. And technically, the Maiar did not come to, to Middle-earth until the Third Age, which is thousands of years from now. So it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. That, I think that I think that's the most compelling argument like like yes. you said as to why it would be Sauron because the comet or meteor did not come out of Valinor. Mm-hmm. We saw and the opening Galadriel was looking yeah. right at it. She was when looking she right at it. No it did comet. not come out of there. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to say? No, that was it. I cuz I realized after you said that that I mm. hadn't fully explained why Galadriel not seeing it was a was a kind of big mm-hmm. deal and then I realized. Now, the other theory here as to why it could be a wizard. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the Maiar maybe weren't living in Valinor at the time. Maybe some of them were. Maybe there were others who were not. Maybe maybe ones were created like brand new, like by the overall deity in the the universe known as Eru Iluvatar. Maybe he just made it real quick or one of the valor made it real quick and just threw it down from the cosmos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's, and, and that is why it did not come out of Valinor. This meteor man shares a lot of similar features to what we have come to expect from wizards mm-hmm. in the Lord of the Rings universe. Um, of course, old man with a beard granted, but they also, they're not looking to do anyone harm. They're not harming the Harfoots. You know, I think it's mainly just uh, Nori and what's her name? Polly, Poppy? I think. Poppy? Poppy, not Polly. Poppy, mm-hmm. her friend. He hasn't done any harm to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he ate all those snails really quickly, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not harming anybody. But he was also, he was speaking to the fireflies when he was forming like the constellation mm-hmm. shape. And uh, that's very reminiscent of Gandalf speaking to the moth when he was on top of the Tower of Isengard in Fellowship of the Ring and in, you know, The Hobbit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the, I, I guess, what you would call um, the intimidation mode. <laughs> <laughs> so when if you remember from Fellowship of the Ring, you know, when Gandalf says like, Bilbo Baggins, do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. Like he appears to get bigger and the room gets really dark and like there's even a some shaking and almost like a wind blowing through the hobbit hole. It's that happened more or less in the show. He, he turned on intimidation mode. The trees started blowing, shaking. He was he was making a noise. Things were going dark around mm-hmm. them in that clearing, and then it just went away as soon as he calmed down. So mm-hmm. that that is very um, very much I don't know similar to a wizard. Mm. Oh, I almost forgot. Should be worth noting. That uh, Sauron is also a Maiar, just like yes. the wizards. So <laughs> we go back to saying, well, it could be Sauron because he technically has some of the same powers 
as mm-hmm. these wizards do because he's of the same like god tier status as them. Yeah. <laughs> I re- I I am enjoying this though. I'm enjoying like theorizing like this because <laughs> I mean it's it's original content so we don't know what it is exactly yet yeah. and um there's so many ev- like points of evidence for what it could be and and there's no way to say for sure. Mm-hmm. But those are definitely the two leading theories. Yeah. But I yeah. didn't you have a couple other fun facts about the meteor man? Oh, the constant <laughs> the constellation. Tell them about the constellation. Um. Oh. Okay. Uh, if if I'm about to say what I think you're thinking. Um. So the constellation that Meteor Man kind of drew out with the fireflies. Um. Was also a constellation that. When Galadriel is looking up at the sky, it is, it's, it's there. Like after she's, you know, in the water and the sky's gone dark again, it's, it's there. (laughs) We're not exactly sure what this means yet. Mm. Yeah. Where I don't know if, um, if that constellation is supposed to be in a way like a guide to Valinor and, Mm. Meteor Man is trying to tell the Harfoots that he's from Valinor. Yeah. And we're not sure. Other thing to note, too, um, if you turn the subtitles on, it's hard to hear what he's saying because he actually does speak a couple grumbly words to the Harfoots. Uh, he says the words like mana ure, where it roughly translates to where is fire, like where is heat, you know? Mm-hmm. And we're not sure what to make of that yet. Mm, interesting. So, yeah. Um, I will say personally, I have a feeling... Part of, part of me wants to say that, oh yeah, it's, it's going to be Gandalf in some way, shape, or form. And this is <laughs> going to be like his origin story. you know. And of course he lands amongst the Harfoots because... You know, he and he has the closest relationship to hobbits out of all the other wizards. But like seeing the amount of like care and dedication they're putting into the lesser lore details of this show, um, like I part of me wants to hope that it's one of the two blue wizards mm-hmm. and that he'll eventually meet up with the other blue wizard and they'll actually bring them to life on screen and we can finally get to see that. So Right. Yeah. Another the bl- point oh. on the blue wizard. Sorry, just to mm, interject. Mm. Um, now, mm. I don't know, like, really much anything about the blue wizards, but again, I was doing my reading on all these theories earlier, and somebody made a comment along the lines of, "So the blue wizards, the, the two of them, they they come as a pair," and um, there was a theory that he's so disoriented because. He's separated from the other blue wizard. Now, I have no idea if that theory is, you know, a solid one. But I, I thought it was an interesting little, ooh, mm-hmm. that could be cool if maybe that's why. And he's maybe, like, drawing out the constellation, like, because he's trying to find the other blue wizard. And he's, you know, maybe they're still in Valinor. Or maybe he thinks they're still in Valinor. No, it's actually a, a very good point. Um, and yeah, they're they're sort of like a codependent team in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, the Blue yeah. Wizards, like Em said, there's really not a whole lot known about them and their exploits. But um, apparently they are uh, very instrumental when it comes to preventing the spread of like Sauron's evil in the East and I guess some of the South as well, mostly the East though, because there's a lot of land to the East, which we don't know about it. If, if you see in, um, on the map, by the way, I love how they actually kind of Mm -hmm. show you where they are on the map. Mm -hmm. Um, in the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, they, they, they verbally spoke about where they were, you know, throughout the, the the movies so you had a good idea okay i'm in fangorn forest right now but because there's so many locations in this show um it's really nice to have those overhead kind of shots like swooping into where they are in the landscape just automatically blends in with the map <clears throat> anyway so 
he lands in um, Rhun, which is where the Harfoots are, which is pretty far east in Middle Earth. So it this is more evidence to show that he could be a blue wizard. He's going to begin his journey in the east and go from there to help combat Sauron and stop you know his spread of evil. So mm-hmm. yeah, something yeah. I, I thought about a little bit there. Mm, I am. He very, is definitely the most mysterious character on this show, though. I, I feel very invested in all these theories. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I just, I just, I want to know who he is. I feel like I'm going to be impatient with finding out. <laughs> the other deceptive character, well, deceptive, we say this lightly. This is a, a new character for the show who we don't really know about at all yet. Um, his name is Halbrand, and he's in episode two in which. Um, Galadriel happens upon after ditching her party of elves and not going to Valinor she happens upon sort of a raft made together um, with some humans on board and this is one of the humans who's there uh, he, sur- he and she survive an attack by a crazy looking sea monster and uh, yeah then they set sail together um, who knows where most likely to the south. Um, we he's he's a brand new character. We don't we don't know anything about Halbrand, mm-hmm. and he said a lot of things. What were some of the lines he said? Oh, I've got all my quotes written down. Mm. Um, so this was all said to Galadriel. Um, this is under a theory. If you don't mind me going on another <laughs> tangent on another theory. <laughs> hey, we here to discuss. <laughs> there is a theory that he is also Sauron <laughs> in one of his other <laughs> deceptive forms. Um, so some of the quotes that he says to Galadriel, probably the main one that was picked up on was looks can be deceiving. And obviously Sauron is, you know, that's his thing. Um, he also made a comment on my people have no king. Uh, I suspect finding safety won't be that easy, especially not for you. And the last quote, the tides of fate are flowing. Yours might be heading in or out. He said mm. all of these to Galadriel. So in my notes, I have, do we trust him? Because I am very unsure on this one. <laughs> yeah, he um, he's brand new again. So we, we don't know anything about him, but I, I feel like it's too soon to say. There's more mm-hmm. evidence for Meteor Man being Sauron yes. than there is for him being Sauron. Mm-hmm. You know, now if you're just going based off of intuition, like, Oh, he doesn't smile. Thus, I think he's Sauron. Like, or I don't. I don't know. Just he seems like a smooth talker. Well, <laughs> hey, it's called a red herring. He, he he could be. He couldn't be. We don't know. But that was just another uh, yeah another example there. Oh yeah. There's a big part though that we've only gotten sort of a, a glimpse at more or less. But uh, how about the dwarves? Huh. Oh. Episode two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was it was so I don't want to say nice. That's that's a terrible word to describe it. It was just exciting. I felt very giddy watching it. <laughs> um it made me very happy. And you know, Duran made me laugh a lot. <laughs> he he made me have a little giggle. He was very sassy and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> just his sassy little looks towards Elrond just kind of they they just gave me a little chuckle. Um, yeah, seeing their whole kind of like f- friendship, kind of their mm. little the little tiff they were having. Um, and of course, we saw Deza. Yeah, Deza. And the most exciting part about seeing Deza for me personally was when eyes pointed to the screen and pointed out that there was in fact a little bit of a beard. Mm. which made me very happy. I kind of, I'd made my peace from seeing the promo photo of Deza that she didn't have any facial hair. And I think probably it was just the way that the photo was taken. Cause it was, it was subtle. It wasn't like an in your face mm. beard. Very but, wispy. Yeah. But when, when you like see her, like from the side, you can kind of just see the little, little bit of a, little bit of a hair. And mm. it just, it kind of just made me very happy to know that, they did actually put some facial hair on the dwarven women. 
Mm-hmm. That was very exciting. <laughs> I was happy to see that too, as mm-hmm. as you as you know. I also really like how the dwarves. Um, well, first of all, really cool to see Moria uh, in its you know operational state and not being you know a tomb, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the the technology, just even the the nature growing in there. Um, really, really cool. Yeah, I uh, I really like the references they make to Aule, who is. I think they say like um, Aule's beard or something like that. Aule <laughs> is one of the main gods of Middle Earth. He is known as the Smith, and the dwarves are actually the children of Aule. He created them, and so he is like their god, essentially. And uh, I really like the the references they made to him there mm-hmm. when they were There's some um, very subtle like little references like that, and mm-hmm. yeah. It's nice. It was nice to hear them. <laughs> also, the you're probably wondering, you know, just like Pulp Fiction, like what's in the box? <laughs> like what's that glowing thing in the box that, you know, during the third show during the fourth? What is that? So I'm going to tell you right now, if you remember from The Hobbit, there was the Arkenstone. It's not the Arkenstone. Okay. <laughs> The Arkenstone was found in the Lonely Mountain of Erebor. It was found there. It was not moved there. So it is not the Arkenstone, first and foremost. Mm. Second leading theory is that it's a Silmaril. Now, the Silmarils were briefly talked about by the the smith Celebrimbor. He talked about how Morgoth uh, had looked into a Silmaril and was so captivated by its beauty and that it was only when he shed a tear that he saw his own reflection when was reminded of, you know, how evil he was and stuff. Anyway, Silmarils were pretty much the most precious jewels ever made on Middle Earth. Highly unlikely that it's a Silmaril. Mm-hmm. There would really be no point to it being in the story either. Most likely, Mithril, mm-hmm. which... As stated in the Fellowship of the Ring, Mithril was the main source of wealth and prosperity from the dwarves. It wasn't gold, wasn't any other precious metal, it was Mithril. And that's what Moria was most or best known for. And uh, yeah, that's likely what is in the box. Yeah. I mean, it, that's that's actually the first thing that M said when she mm-hmm. saw. I was like, "Ooh, what is I that?" I just was like pointing at it and kind of like shrugging as if to say, "Huh?" <laughs> I was like, "Mithril." <laughs> also, like, well, just duh. on the note of Mithril, um, one of the one of the rings for the elves was actually uh, made out of Mithril. So I am Nenya? wondering if. Uh, sorry. Would that be Nenya? Uh, it was, yes. 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 Mm. So I'm just now, only now kind of putting a couple of pieces together, like, oh, maybe it is Mithril, and obviously they are going to the dwarves to make this ever-so-powerful forge, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, maybe these are like kind of the pieces getting put into place, like mm. the Mithril's going to be used to make the elven ring, Nenya. Mm. So. I actually, I actually heard a joke about Nenya. No. Want to hear it? Oh, no. Oh God! Okay. <laughs> knock, 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 knock. Who's that? Nenya. Nenya who? Nenya business. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> of course. Got of course. you. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. Come on. <laughs> anyway, really stoked to see what happens with the dwarves here, and I was I was also mm-hmm. very uh, very very fond of seeing Elrond and. Durin's relationship, it really was like just a, a great kind of nod to how how diplomatic Elrond is and and how good he is at uniting people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was one of the leaders of the last alliance of men and elves against Sauron in the Third Age, and I mean, even the he he was a member of the White Council with the wizards and with Galadriel, and he also you know brought. Elves, men, and dwarves together for you know the uh, the Council of the Ring when they were deciding the Fellowship. Like 
and it, it was so cool to see him, you know, be diplomatic elsewhere outside of Rivendell. And that was, mm-hmm. that was a real treat. So I, I hope we get to see, you know, more of that. Yeah. Um, man, Elrond's a smooth talker too, huh? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I yeah. was noticing that during the dinner scene, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is great. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, what did he say? It was something about the, the tree growing and like, oh, how could it not grow uh, in a home like this with all this love? Something like that. It was so smooth. The way that was not smooth how I just delivered it. But the way he delivered it was very smooth. Yeah, yeah. very good actor, too. Yeah. Oh, and last, I mean, there's obviously we could talk about details for hours, but like last but not least... Since you brought up how much you loved them. <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> the orcs. Oh, yeah. They they were creepy, and I loved every second of it. They it were... Really? Yeah, you know, go ahead. No, I was just going to say they were... They, I mean, I mean, they were... Don't get me wrong. They were creepy in Lord of the Rings, whatever. But they're creepy in a very different way in this. Like... I think I think you made the comment, and that it's like they're more like monsters, like they're they're mm. like from a horror film, kind of like creeping up out of the floorboards and like in the shadows, and they're very, yeah, they're just more of like a horror horror creepy as opposed to just the like, ooh, don't like it kind of creepy. But the, yeah, loved it. I really enjoyed that too. How how mysterious they were. And uh, more subtle they were than what we've come to expect. The best comparison in fiction I can make to them right now, um, probably not the best, but the first one that popped in my head, you have your regular average stormtroopers from like the Star Wars (laughs) movies, right? And that's sort of what the orcs were in the Peter Jackson movies. Like they were there. They weren't hiding they were kind of pushovers, though, when it uh, against the main characters. Mm. You know, they were just cannon fodder. But then, in Star Wars, uh, the the anthology movie Rogue One, you have the Death Troopers, who, <laughs> you know, they they mean business, and they're not cannon fodder against the main characters. They actually kill some of the like the lead characters. And they are not to be trifled with and they are much more in the shadows and not as present. And these orcs are very similar in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, there are many more battles to come, I'm sure. And many more, you know, reveals of these orcs uh, that are on their way. But the, these orcs so far are definitely more of a threat than they were uh, in the regular Lord of the Rings movies, especially with how sneaky they're being underground, making these creepy claustrophobic tunnels and uh, just staying out of the light and staying out of sight. It's mm. yeah, I like I feel that like a lot. We're going to uh, definitely see quite a bit more of them. Obviously, the, I think I think this was the last shot we had of him, um, Aranda. In the like little, well, he went on his little caving exploration, which so much gave fun. me so much anxiety watching. <laughs> um, and then I th- I'm pretty sure this was the last like shot we saw of him, and like those hands came out of the like moss, was it? Kind of like mossy, grassy looking stuff, mm-hmm. and like grabbed mm-hmm. him and pulled him back. Um, a bunch so of hands too. A, a bunch, yeah, not just a couple. Yeah. There's a lot. So I, I mean, I, I assume they are also orcs. I mean, we didn't actually see them. We just saw the hands. So I assume right. they're orcs. So I, I can only guess that the next episode or two, we're gonna see where where they took him off to. So I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to seeing that, seeing them in all their creepy creepiness. I think my my favorite shot of the orcs in this. Uh these first two episodes was probably in the first one where they showed that dark forest and the mm. orcs were like standing over something and like, like glowing. Yeah. Oh, that was oh. really creepy. <laughs> I, that was, that was great. Yeah, and like it's even better knowing that we're back to practical effects orcs. Now we're it. not, I love it. No more, we're not, we don't have the CG orcs now. Granted they couldn't have a practical effects snow troll, but <laughs> the first cave troll that they ever showed us was CG as well. So who cares? It, it fit, yep. it fit the bill, <laughs> but 
Yeah, the practical yeah. effects works all for that. Mm-hmm. And back to fawning over the uh, special mm. effects makeup. Very happy. Uh, mm. I think one of the only other mysteries really to discuss is why the kid found a creepy oh. Oh. sword that oh. has Sauron's sigil on it under the floorboards in a random barn. Like, why? I'm mm, not really sure what's going on there. It reminds me with the smoke kind of forming around it briefly, like, oh, is that like a Morgul blade? Mm, yeah. And the Morgul blade was the blade that pierced Frodo on Weathertop. And, you know, Aragorn picked it up and said, hey, it's, he's been stabbed by a Morgul blade and it, and it disappears. <laughs> the blade part disappears. Like, it reminded me of that. Mm-hmm. It didn't look exactly the same, but what is the the meaning of this? Mm. I'd, I have no idea. Now, a couple of little notes on that um not notes questions i think some little curiosities i have about that is why was it his blood that made the blade do that little thing Mm. maybe it just needed Um, a a blood sacrifice of some sort but also so hang on i'm trying to get my bearings it was under the floorboards was that in his house or was that in like the bar either way it was like their property i guess so why was it in their place you know, it was like hidden under the floorboards. His blood did the thing. I don't know. And then the orcs well, popped up in the house. It's worth noting that, as I mentioned much earlier in this episode, the elven watch was stationed there because men and descendants of men in that area had, you know, allied with Morgoth many years ago mm-hmm. and their descendants are living there now. So, this could be maybe remnants of mm-hmm. one of those, I don't know, ancestors who mm-hmm. had allied with Sauron and Morgoth and had kept, you know, his weaponry, but just buried it, you know, in his home. Like mm-hmm. even in, and when Arondir was telling, um, oh goodness, I can't remember her name. Bronwyn. The Southern, Bronwyn, the <laughs> Southern woman, you know, in, in the town, like, yeah, that town is a lot of people, they're descendants of, you know, Morgoth sympathizers and stuff like, and she was arguing with him like, no, they aren't like, they're all good people, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's like a uh, lady, there is your own child, like finding mm-hmm. a sword of Sauron yeah. under, under your floorboards. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, it's obviously, yeah. it's, it's in that area. So yeah, uh, for sure. There's also like a little. I don't want to say theory. It's not. A th- I keep saying theory. I'm obsessed <laughs> with the theories. Um, that the kid has some kind of a connection, to, maybe not to Sauron himself, but there was um, a note made on the fact that we don't know where his dad is, mm. and he's stumbled across this blade like on their property. So it's making me wonder: like, is there some kind of a connection here to Sauron, or? To the Sauron, fact that, you think the Sauron had a son? Well, no. Moral son? Yeah. <laughs> but that's 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 exactly what I mean when I say not a connection exactly to Sauron himself, but like maybe his dad was like maybe a follower of not Morgoth, obviously Morgoth has been and gone, but you know. Yeah. Maybe he is uh still still kind of still kind of a follower in that sense, I guess, is what mm. I'm trying to say. Um, and maybe that's where he is, because we don't know where he's gone. Nobody said anything. We just know that his dad is not present, and uh, this blade has appeared. Yeah, well, uh, we've uh, we've uncovered we've covered a lot mm-hmm. in this episode, <laughs> and I hope you've been able to to bear with us here. But point is. We are very excited about the show. And just from the first two episodes we've seen, there is so much more coming. Um, We can't wait. And we are so, so, so stoked to discuss it and share it with you every week as it comes out. Um, Also, I wanted to say this. (laughs) If you have any questions about stuff maybe we didn't cover, Mm-hmm. Um, in any of the episodes, feel free to message us 
uh, either on Instagram or Twitter. Um, and we are, we would be happy to answer some questions again, if it's maybe some stuff we didn't cover or answer for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause I mean, we love discussing this and, uh, I already, <laughs> <laughs> so my mom actually had texted me, uh, <laughs> earlier and was like, who is meteor man? <laughs> and I told her, you'll, if we're going to talk about it this episode. So, you know, um, yeah, would love to to hear some of your theories or hear some of your questions if you've got any for us. And um, yeah, we are just absolutely so stoked for what's to come. Mm. Or share your theories with me. We can, <laughs> we can theorize together. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so, so much for joining us for this episode. We are so stoked to continue this little journey with you guys. Be sure to follow us over on Twitter and Instagram to keep up with things and also Keep an eye out for the uh, cocktail recipes we'll be posting for the following episode. Our Twitter is at Tipples Tolkien and our Instagram is at Tipples and Tolkien. Thank you again for listening. Bye.